I'm really glad to be here. Nina's been a good friend, and uh, I was just telling in the you know in, in the time before uh, everybody came in. I, I think you all call that the casual catch-up time. I was just telling of how uh, I I enjoyed my time with Nina earlier this year when we were traveling together. Uh, I've known Benji for a little while, and I was really I, I came across a photo. I think of the photo was about uh, just last week or, or or maybe two weeks back. I think I sent it to Nina, and the photo was from. I think uh, almost two years, maybe a year and a half to two years ago, where uh, you know Benji and uh, Ruth and uh, Nidad visited us and shared, you know, this his vision for the city and this his 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 uh, plan for this church plant, and we were so encouraged to just hear that in our church. And uh, I'm really glad to be uh, sharing this common love for the city, right? And just uh, common love for uh, seeing. Uh, the potential of the gospel to penetrate into this into so many hearts let me just quickly yeah and, and therefore i want to thank ninad and the entire leadership uh thank you thank you for having me in this place this evening appreciate it very quickly that's my family uh that's my wife esther and my daughter arya this photo is from last week when my daughter turned 4 she talks like she's 20 but she's just 4 years old this is this is uh, it, it was it was a um, what is that uh, a mermaid this it, it it was a mermaid theme it was a mermaid theme that therefore you can see all the shells and and the fish all everywhere okay uh, a little over oh, 4 years back that's our city by the way well i although i say it's our city it's really my neighborhood <laughs> but a little over 4 years ago we moved uh, into hinjwadi okay that's where i am in pune uh, from bombay and very quickly i was able to just uh, Uh, catch the catch the very culture of this neighborhood very very culture of the city really and that and that is that so many we have so many indian expats isn't it we have so many indian expats either uh, i'm sure zelis has many student uh, students but we also have a lot of it people in our neighborhood and uh, you have so many people just coming in and while there are many cities like india which are very transitional in nature Pune Pune seems to be more transitional than more you know many other cities right and if i and i'm assuming if i were to just ask everybody which city are you from a very few of you all would say you're from pune many of you all have come in from elsewhere isn't it um in in our church now i got a pune address on my passport but nobody else is from pune <laughs> you know and so that's how the city is and so the very narrative of our city as i, as I began as we came here a little over 4 years ago and we got involved with things about the city it took us a while to kind of embrace the very narrative of the city and in this narrative of being extremely transitional the city being ex- extremely transitional it it kind of impacts positively also it kind of uh, impacts the way you think right the way you think and uh, many people are only here for a few years and they know that they're not going to be here forever and they leave and, uh, and and so they come in thinking in a particular way uh i'd like to just go ahead and quickly move into into my my topic for today in biblical history okay in the history of israel covered in the bible of the old testament there were these two eras there were these two seasons in which believers in which the people of god lived uh, uh in pagan environments in pluralistic in, in environments where uh god was not the only god there were god substitutes okay that's why it is not singular but 
pluralistic environments. And so the first exiled period was Canaan, okay, where they failed uh, to, to obey all that God had asked them to do. But there was the second time where uh, they were exiled into Babylon. And this was when uh, King Nebuchadnezzar come in, comes in and you know, defeats Jerusalem. Well, he does that. He carries off a few Israelites and he carries off uh, uh, you know, all the best stuff of Jerusalem, even the articles of the temple, and takes it with him. And so in both situations, whether it was Canaan, which we read in the book of Judges, or whether it's uh, the Babylonian exile, which, which we read in uh, I mean, a number of books, really, of the Old Testament, we see that believers of God did not particularly live in a believing nation or a believing culture. They were in an environment where God's substitutes or false saviors were prominent, right? I'm going to be looking at the Old Testament today, okay? And uh, in this in this COVID time, I've just fallen, begun to have a love for the Old Testament. But uh, don't worry about the dates too much. 585 BC, there was this prophet Jeremiah who was actually prophesying uh, into the period of the Babylonian captivity, into the period of the Babylonian exile, okay? And so... 605 to 538 BC. Don't worry too much about the dates. I got it from Google. <laughs> you can check it out yourself. But but but, but what, is, what is important to know that he was prophesying into the situation of believers in a pagan land, believers in a pluralistic land. Okay. And the other thing that is interesting of Jeremiah is he was mocked for his prophecies. He was occasionally beaten. He was imprisoned. But all his words actually eventually come true. Okay, with the Babylonian invasion. So what we're going to do, I think I'm going to request uh, good friend Ash to read uh, the Bible passage for today, which is taken from Jeremiah. And uh, if you can just follow along the story, and we'll be drawing some principles and seeing you know, how it applies to us today in Pune. Ash? Ash, I think you know, unmute yourself. Sorry. <laughs> okay. 29, 1 to 14. Yeah, yeah. Okay. 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 And to the priests, the prophets, and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar had carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This was after King Jehoiakim and the queen mother, the court officials, and the leaders of Judah and Jerusalem. The skilled workers and the artisans had gone into exile from Jerusalem. He entrusted the letter to... Elasa, son of Shaphan, and to Jemaria, son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. It said, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. 
find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city of which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Thanks, Ash. Thank you. So, this I think there's some echo happening. Hello? Right, okay. And so essentially what we see over here, at least twice, at least twice, God, through, through the prophet Jeremiah, at least twice, God states that he carried them into exile in verse 4, verse 7, and even verse 14. God carried them into exile. You, will, you see, when you think of carrying, it's a very active word. It's not like God is saying he allowed them to go to exile. He permitted them to go to, he sent them to exile. But when, but when the text reads, he carried them, it it's definitely means something more significant. You also see in this time, in, in the passage that we just read, God says that he's got times and schedules for them. He's put them there for 70 years, it says in verse 10. He's put them there for 70 years, which is ideally at least two generations, maybe three generations. So, 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 so what I think it's important to realize is this particular movement into exile is not an accident, is not a random event. It's a part of a careful plan that God has for his people, right? They're not going to be in the situation forever. They're only going to be there for a period, but, but it is his active plan for them right now. They're not going to be in, in exile forever, but right now that is, his, that is his active plan for them. In other words, their life in exile is part of God's design for them. It's not, a, it's not a senseless disaster. It's a part of God's design for them. Exile was not a disaster. It was not an accident. It was part of God's design for them. So that leads us to, almost begs us to ask in this passage as we read, what is or what was the purpose of the exile? So verse 10, it says, the 70 years are for Babylon. You see that text, verse 10? The 70 years are for Babylon. When it says, this is what the Lord says, when the 70 years are completed for Babylon. 
this seems to suggest it seems to mean that god had a role for babylon in the on the world stage he wanted to do things in babylon and through babylon so god sending the jews with all the riches of their faith and their knowledge of the faith of of who the true god is of the knowledge of yahweh of knowledge of the jehovah god if if only the jews were to share it with babylon it says in verse 7 babylon this would lead to a place of shalom you see the purpose of exile the 70 years of for babylon in verse 7 it says so clearly that the jews were to seek that shalom in verse 7 it says seek the peace and the prosperity of the city which i have called you and if you i mean some of your footnotes Uh, in your study bible you will realize that that's actually shalom shalom at a very basic level at a very at, at a very basic the very basic definition of the word shalom is to be made right with god and with community and with the world that god was that was god's plan for babylon that the jews now coming into exile with the knowledge of who god is with the riches of all that they had like if if the jews would just share that with the babylon it would lead to shalom for babylon and that is exactly what the believers or the jews were to seek for this unbelieving city and that isn't false even today you and i as we live in our cities we are to seek the city's shallow we'll just move on and see what what was the second purpose the second in as much as it was for babylon the purpose of the 70 years was also for israel and this is where i i was really uh, uh, I think I learned something. So you see, in verse nineteen, in the letter, the letter tells of the conditions that the Jews were in. In verse nineteen, it says, "For they have not listened to my words." And they're talking about the Jews. They're talking about God's people. They're talking about believers. Okay, this letter that was sent to them in verse nineteen. Let me just. This is, of course, further on in our passage. We we didn't read this. It says in verse nineteen. for they have not listened to my words that i sent them by my servants and prophets in fact verse 23 is even more alarming verse 23 says for they have done outrageous let me just read that for they have done outrageous things in israel they have committed adultery with their neighbors wives in my name and have spoken lies and if you and if you were to do a little bit of study on that you'll realize there was sexual immorality which was prevalent even among the religious leaders okay it's it's not i don't think it's explicitly mentioned in this but, but if you were to just do a little study you'll realize that verse 19 says that it was they were the people of god were not listening to god himself 23 says that verse 23 says there was sexual immorality i'd like you to understand that at this stage god's people were in a state of spiritual disintegration they were disengaged with the one true god and guess what the exile would change all of that and how do we know that because it says in verse 12 you will call on me and you will come to me and pray to me and i will listen to you in other words they will develop a rich life of prayer right It says in verses thirteen and fourteen, "You will seek me with and find me when you seek me with all your heart, and I will be found by you." It will not just be prayer and petitioning prayer, but they will seek fellowship with God. There will be this wholehearted openness with God. In fact, in verse eleven, God goes as far as to say that the final result of the exile will be to prosper them. 
to prosper the Israelites. The final result of the, of, of the exile will be to prosper the Israelites and not to harm them. I know it's a famous verse in the Christian circles, Jeremiah 29.11. And, and of course, we, I'm not saying we shouldn't use it. We should use it. But essentially, the context was given to people in exile. <laughs> and it was in a way to, uh, to allow for God to convey to them that the end result of the exile and then you see it in context was to prosper them and not to harm them. So the result would have been a full prosperity. There would have been, and this result would not have been possible if they were in their own land or in their own cities. Without this experience, without this experience, they would have no future. They would have no hope. In fact, they were headed for destruction. And what's very nice and very interesting is what did God want them to do in the passage that we just read? Firstly, God wanted them to be positive, be city positive. And when I say that, what I mean is when God says in verse 7, pray to the Lord for it. To pray for a city is to be on the side of the city. They were to become involved in the city and seek the peace and prosperity. Secondly, they were to have a vision for the city. They were not just to seek the prosperity in the city, but to seek the prosperity for the city. Right? It's And... Uh, I, I think this is very real, especially in the neighborhood where I live, where 95% of people who live here are, you know, come from other cities and towns and uh, a few come from smaller villages just to create a career, just to create wealth and make, to make it big in their life. And reality, it's so tempting to use the city for themselves. Over here we see the heart of God. You know, what did God really want them to do was to not just seek uh, peace and prosperity in the city, but actually seek prosperity for the city. And I, and I truly believe that even as we envision things for the city, we shouldn't just envision how our church should look like, you know, or how our group of people should look like, or how Christians should look like. We really should have a vision of how the city really should look like, isn't it? Thirdly, we also see as, I mean, Ash so beautifully read, they were to settle in the city, marry, have sons, have daughters. They were to plan for a long-term involvement in that time. It was at least two generations, possibly three generations. You see, uh, fourth, uh, it's a, in Sessions verse 6, they were to increase in number, do not decrease. In other words, to become more numerous, to become stronger. But as you see later, it was also to, to maintain their distinctive identity. And we're going to be looking at that a little later. Fifthly, they were to thoughtfully work in the city. They were, in verse 5, it says, uh, invest in the community by building homes and building gardens. In other words, don't use the city for your own advancement. Seek the city's advancement. Sixthly, as we already saw, to seek the peace, to seek the shalom of the city. And so I think, and I think in short, what I really feel and I believe what God wanted them to know is this. Life in the exile was not an accident. Life in the exile was a part of God's plan for them. Okay, that's, that's, that, that's a point I wanted to just punch on. And I'd like to take about 30 to 45 seconds for you to think about a question that I'm going to put on the screen. Think about this. How is your, your, your identity, my identity and your identity as God's people strengthened by remembering that our present circumstances are not an accident. You and I, whatever you and I are going through right now, it's not a disaster. Right? It's not a disaster. I mean, and I share this fear in, with fear and trembling. I just want to say, 
Corona coming in wasn't a disaster, at least in the eyes of God. God is God wasn't surprised with this. Of course, you and I are. I really am. But how is our identity as God's people strengthened by remembering that our present circumstances is not an accident? And I'll tell you why I'm asking this question. It's mainly because you see, very naturally, you and I are constantly pursuing a life where where we try to build our identities with prominence. You know, we, we try to attach our identities to the work we do or the courses that we study or the houses that we build or and, and, and very we have this temptation of pursuing a life where our identity in this world can be established with prominence and therefore we experience this identity crisis when our expectations of ourselves are not accepted by the world right or the world around us does you know doesn't like what uh, uh, are or, or the things that we've built up? We very so we very so often, very 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 so often forget that we are primarily called by God to be His in this world. When God, not sending them to exile, but carrying them into exile, were going as His people, and very often we forget. God has not thrown us into this city. God has not thrown us into this situation. He's carried us into this. He has carried us into this situation. And very often we forget that we are primarily called by God to be His in this world. Around the same historical time as when Jeremiah was was prophesying into the uh, you know condition of exile, <clears throat> in the same time frame, in the same in the span of time period from 605 BC to 536 BC was, was the famous man we know as Daniel. Now Daniel, the central message of the even book of Daniel and the life of Daniel is, uh, you know, sets his expectations that its readers must remain faithful no matter what because the Lord our God is in complete control. That's, that's really the entire book of Daniel in one sentence, okay? To remain faithful no matter what because the Lord is in complete control. In order for God's people, and I'm and I'm looking, I'm, we're not going to read that passage, but but in order for the God's people, in order for Daniel's and his friends and people in exile to be salt and light in that Babylonian evil empire of Babylon, okay, it was an evil empire. They were enemies of Israel. In order for them to be all the Jeremiah, all that God is speaking through Jeremiah for them to be, because this, as I should read it, you you, you should have realized that. This was sent. This letter was sent to the people of exile. Okay, and so Daniel was there. His friends were there, and around that same time period. And in order for them to be all that God wanted them to be, they were to prepare themselves for a few challenges. And what what were these challenges that the Babylonian culture was throwing at them? These were carefully designed challenges to lead them away from God. These were, these were challenges designed to lead Daniel and his friends away from God. Okay, So Daniel is not another story. It's happening around the same historical period. Okay, You see the first thing that happens, isolation. Well, this, is the, this is the first step. They take Daniel and his friends, they're 
teenagers at this time they take them away from their homeland they take them away from their family they take them away from their friends separate them from from their you know their comfortable community into a space of abandonment into a space of isolation definitely it's a pressure who's the first teenager 13 14 15 16 year old boy you would think of in your you know in your friends or family think about taking that boy out of his family out of everything and sending him to separating him from his community group separating him from his family and friends homeland so the first thing the first challenge that these young teenagers had to face was isolation and if you read the opening chapter and the opening verses of daniel chapter 1 we're not going to go there right now but you can read it whenever you see that the second thing that happened was they were indoctrinated indoctrination it's a big word but it's loaded so so they would take these sharp young men and enroll them for 3 years into studying babylonian literature babylonian you know it was it was babylonian education really religion was a part of that curriculum as well the third thing we see was a babylonian ideology in other words they were to be assimilated soaked in soaked in to an ideology so the third step they would need to really change the, the things that they ate their lifestyle the things that they drank you know they their strategy really that the babylonians used was to entice them with delicacies to 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 entice them with privileges of their new life such an immersion would wear them out eventually and eventually win them over to the other side and so this was a carefully designed challenge from the babylonian culture to assimilate them into the babylonian ideology and they did that by enticing them with privileges and you know delicacies but the fourth thing you see that they they threw these these daniel and his friends in confusion how do we know that they gave them new names they changed daniel's name they changed uh, hananiah mishael and azariah they changed all of these names okay daniel meaning uh, all all of their four names their hebrew names honored yahweh god and they completely changed their hebrew names daniel in the hebrew meant god is my judge hananiah meant the lord is gracious mishael meant who is like god azariah meant the lord helps and they changed their names gave them new names gave them new identities and what was it's important to realize that these were challenges that the people of god God was expected something that we read in Jeremiah, but these were challenges that were thrown to them by culture in exile. And I'd like to, I'd like to just say, what was Daniel's posture? What was Daniel's stance in all of this? The very basic thing that we see is Daniel was willing to be, was actually willing to be educated in the Babylonian culture. He and his friends do not refuse the call to get involved in this. studying of babylonian literature and babylonian you know pagan religious views they don't oppose to they don't refuse it they, in fact in verses 5 4 and 5 of the chapter 1 of daniel you realize that they became very conversant they became very thorough they became with with the learnings of the unbelieving culture at the same time they resolved to eat vegetables and water instead of the delicacies that uh, you know the culture threw on them in other words they at some point they draw a line at a certain point they draw a line so this is exactly parallel to what god had asked them to do through the prophecy of through the prophet jeremiah 
What was what was the entire passage that we just read, Jeremiah twenty nine one to fourteen? In summary, essentially, that passage said that they were to be involved in the life and culture of the society. They were to be involved in the in the very uh, life of the culture. Yet, to keep their conscience clear. Yet, to maintain their distinctive identity. that was the essence of the passage that we just read today and we see daniel stands particularly right and daniel and his friends stands particularly whether it was the fiery furnace whether it was the lions den whether it was a number interpreting the dreams after nebuchadnezzar there was belshazzar the other king and it's very interesting history really in all of that daniel and his friends involved themselves in the culture they draw a line at a certain point by maintaining their distinctive identity as i as i as i just begin to conclude really okay i'd like to just focus on the gospel for a while you see when people are thrown or or or, or put in exile like situations you know at some level all of us are exiles did you know that <laughs> we're all exiles okay we're all here for a while this is not our homeland we're looking forward to our citizenship in heaven and all of that okay and at some level we're all exiles we're all temporary residents where we are and when we are put when you and i as people of god are put in unbelieving environments in 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 situations where there are god substitutes in in situations where culture is enticing us with false saviors where where society is enticing us with you know the idols of the city we begin to wonder why is this evil prevalent and evident in this environment right the heart of the bible is not an explanation of where evil came from but the heart of the bible the heart of redemption the heart of christ coming in for us as the messiah is a demonstration of how through jesus okay god enters the evil of our world and turns it around for everlasting joy we're going to say that slowly the heart of the bible does not explain from where evil came from really but essentially the gospel is a demonstration of how god enters an evil world he enters the evil of our world and turns it around for our joy for our righteousness for lasting joy there were pointers in scripture all along the way that this is how it would be for the messiah i mean we spoke a little bit about daniel today but before daniel a few centuries before a few decades or centuries before daniel was joseph joseph was sold into slavery in egypt he seemed to be abandoned for 17 years but god was in it he turns all of that around daniel was thrown into the lions den his friends were thrown into but god was in it he turns all of that around consider the very ancestry of christ jesus christ okay and the reason i'd like to really talk about the gospel is because you know i i i am reminded in uh in john chapter 5 when jesus speaks to the, the i think the pharisees or, or the religious leaders he tells them something so remarkable he says and and actually they were opposing jesus and so jesus says 
you diligently study scripture and everything about old and that was the old testament you diligently study the old testament and the entire old testament is about me and you don't even come to me for life and and, and that statement by jesus to the pharisee left such an impression in my heart this one morning i actually printed it on my journal you know my quiet time journal and every time i read the bible i realize the entire old Te- well of course the, the entire bible really but this statement of jesus it's all about me and you still go somewhere else for life you know consider the the very ancestry of christ there was this one time once god was the only king in israel but in one samuel the people rebel they ask for a human king in one samuel chapter 8 it says no but there shall be a king over us and and a few chapters later on in chapter 12 they later confess we have added to our to all our sins in this evil by asking for a human king but god was in it and how do we know that god was in it because it's from the line of these kings however evil and ungodly they were that he brings christ into the world a sinless savior had its had his earthly origins in sin as he came to save save sinners and so every act of treachery brutality against jesus was sinful and evil but the mystery is this god was in it all every act of treachery brutality against jesus was sinful and evil so the bible says in acts chapter 2 jesus was delivered to death according to the foreknowledge of god isn't that such a paradox jesus was delivered to death according to a definite plan and the foreknowledge of god in other words if god was in it like he was with daniel and like he was with joseph and also for the messiah which means the lash on the back of jesus the thorns on the head of jesus the spit on the cheek of jesus the bruises on his face the nails in his hands the spear in his side the scorn of rulers betrayal of his friends and eventually even being deserted by his disciples all of this was a result of evil and sin and yet god was in it all and yet god was in it was in it all the very suffering that that caused that that we caused became the hope of our salvation i i like to just end by saying that as you and i live in our city as you and i live and embrace and get involved in the very life and the fabric of our culture we have this temptation to hate our surrounding because the city is not our own the culture is not our own the cuisine is not our own the language that people speak is not our own the you know clothing is not our own and everything is so different from who we'd like to be and we seem to be you know embrace a lifestyle of disintegrating and not involving in the culture or on the other end of the spectrum we involve too much that we forget our distinctive identity as being a child of god and and on either of these ends god was actually through jeremiah was presenting something more significantly rich it was actually to be involved at the same time to maintain our distinctive identity and christ part paved the way for us his identity jesus was you and i are missionaries today in our cities because because christ was the chief missionary when he left heaven and he entered a world of sin and evil and turned it around for lasting joy and lasting righteousness 
I really do pray and believe that this season of COVID, uh, you know, we will be able to embrace and realize that it isn't an accident. It isn't a disaster as far as God's perspective is concerned. You know, we continue to stay faithful. We continue to stay strong and maintain our distinctive identities. I was really touched with the stories of uh, Ash and even earlier with uh, Mamta speaking what she spoke. I was really, I, I, I was really touched. It's, it, it's, it's, it's so explicitly true that these are real stories. And just because we're Christians, we don't suffer less. We suffer, you know, the pandemic affects everybody. And uh, we don't have an, uh, a greater theology. No, we're co-sufferers with the world. And that's really our identity. But we also suffer knowing that uh, all our suffering is temporary unto a lasting hope. I really thank you for listening to me. I hope I've maintained my time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to me. Uh, is it okay to just close with a word of prayer? Yes. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this time and this opportunity to engage in scripture, to engage in public worship. But most of all, to fix our eyes on you. Yes. Most of all, to, to focus and not lose sight and not lose grip of redemption. The very source of our identity. And Lord, I pray for this, my friends at Zealous Community, even as they persevere and press on to be in the world, but not of the world, like you said. Lord, that you would constantly remind them of their identity as people of God in this city. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.